How's it going, guys? We have a past little question for farm, step one, step two. 39-year-old woman, she has a one-week history of puffiness for forearms and legs. Patient is most likely recently prescribed which of the following pharmacologic agents. Now, for some of you, obviously too easy, but we need to check off the boxes on ultra high-yield stuff for USMLAs. So let's just hop through choice A, ciprofloxin, wrong fucking answer. It's a fluoroquinolone. Uh, inhibits DNA gyrus, aka topoisomerase 2,4 prokaryotic. And this is classically used for prostatitis as well as pyelonephritis. It can also be used with metronidazole for diverticulitis. This is going to cause tendinopathy, notably Achilles tendinopathy. You'll similarly want to assess it, but you could be aware that it's more likely the tendinopathy to occur in patients over 60 who have renal insufficiency who've recently been on corticosteroids. Choice A, wrong fucking answer. Choice B, gentamicin, aminoglycoside, wrong fucking answer, inhibits 30S ribosomal subunit. So this is classically paired with vancomycin as empiric therapy for endocarditis. It can also be paired with ampicillin for miscellaneous things, even pylo as well. But gentamicin is going to cause acute tubular necrosis as well as ototoxicity. And I've made clips on this. I've talked about this in PDFs that the ototoxicity need not be neurosensory hearing loss or tinnitus, it can present just as isolated vertigo. But for the renal diagnosis, it's gonna be acute tubular necrosis. Choice B, wrong fucking answer. Choice C, hydralazine, wrong fucking answer. Pretty low yield drug for USMLE actually, but you should know that this dilates arterioles. It has a slight, slightly weird mechanism of action where it affects calcium currents. It's not a calcium channel blocker, but USMLE wants you to know that it merely dilates arterioles and that heart rate could increase to compensate. Now, two, actually the, the only use case I could say you might want to be aware of is for OBGYN 2CK. It can be used for uh, hypertensive emergencies in pregnancy. Uh, for step one and two, you could also be aware that it's a known cause of drug-induced lupus with antihistone antibodies? Wrong fucking answer. Choice D, metformin, wrong fucking answer. So type two diabetes med, that's going to increase glycolysis, decrease gluconeogenesis, and this notably causes lactic acidosis. So if you get a question where a patient's on metformin and you see bicarbs low, normal range 22 to 28, get a big 12 line question, they show you a bunch of lab values and you see bicarbs 20 and they say, which the following needs to be discontinued in this patient, you know, right away it's lactic acidosis due to metformin. Also, if the creatinine is 1.5 or higher, normal range 0.7 to 1.2, you, you are either not going to want to give metformin or you'd want to discontinue metformin. I've seen on NBME up to a creatinine of 1.4 is considered acceptable for being on metformin. It's because if a patient has renal insufficiency and is on metformin, there's increased risk of lactic acidosis. Metformin, wrong fucking answer. Choice E, nifedipine, correct answer. Dihydropyridine calcium channel blocker dilates peripheral arterioles, causes peripheral edema. Okay, so amlodipine, nifedipine, just the dihydropyridine calcium channel blockers in general. It's just exceedingly high yield, you know this. So when we think about causes of peripheral edema, it could be cardiogenic, increased hydrostatic pressure, could be the liver, okay, hepatic, where you have decreased albumin production, decreased intravascular oncotic pressure, could be renal, okay, as also decreased intravascular oncotic pressure if you're losing albumin in the urine. So you want to think of numerous causes of peripheral edema if a patient presents with such, 
but you also want to look at their drug chart, okay, where they recently started on nifedipine as an example. It's very high yield for family medicine when you get the 2CK stuff that you know this causes peripheral edema. So let's just hop through the final answers here. Verapamil, wrong fucking answer. So non-dihydropyridine calcium channel blocker. This is going to act on nodal calcium channels, slows heart rate, could have a role in atrial fibrillation, but this causes constipation. All right. So Nifedipine could be used for hypertension in patients who do not have prediabetes, diabetes, or peripheral artery disease. If that's the case, they have any of that stuff, you're going to use an ACE inhibitor or an ARB first, Medicine 301 stuff. But meal, if a patient can't be on a beta blocker, uh, let's say severe lung disease, and we want to treat atrial fibrillation, meal is a known agent that can be used. But the point is, nifedipine causes peripheral edema, meal causes constipation. Verapamil, wrong fucking answer. You know the deal when you make more content, I feel like my stuff's my channel. Appreciate your time. That's it.